Welcome to Lift Your Legacy. My name is Jacob Rupp, father, husband, and rabbi. And each week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you unlock your inner potential and create change that will impact the future. Thank you for listening, and let's get to it. Gentlemen, Jeanette Schneider is back on an absolutely fascinating, outstanding second edition of our uh, of our conversation where we delve into the depths of organized religion, of the relevance of religion, of the importance of having positive conversations in the modern world and how to properly utilize technology. So uh, I, I, she's doing such big stuff and really adding a voice of consciousness to the world that I was really thrilled to have this second opportunity. I feel like kind of need another one. Um, but uh, with no further ado, please get your uh, your pencils ready for notes on this one with uh, Jeanette Schneider. Ladies and gentlemen, as always, Lift Your Legacy is committed to helping you live a more authentic and meaningful life. That being said, if I could ask you to share this podcast with someone that you think would get value from the message, that would be fantastic. In addition, I wanted to make you aware that along with the podcast, I do offer executive coaching. I help people who are successful and highly motivated, who want to see extreme, or not even so extreme, maybe just a small change that in their life. I want to help them get to the next level. What does that mean specifically? Creating more peace in your relationships, with yourself, growing your business, clarifying your career. And even if you need a little bit of help losing some weight or getting more healthy, I do that also. I'm not for everyone, but for those people that are invested in making their life better and taking the next step, I highly recommend you consider me as a coach for you. Now, how do you get in touch? Well, you found the podcast. I wanted to tell you also my email, Jacob, my first name, Jacob at liftyourlegacy.live. Feel free, please, to reach out there or on all, any or all of my social media channels. I'd be thrilled to give you a complimentary half an hour conversation to see if we might be a good fit to work together. And now, with no further ado, I ask you to please sit back and enjoy the show. I am thrilled, ladies and gentlemen, to have back Jeanette Schneider for the second interview on my show. Um, we have in between had an interview on her show, and it is always a fascinating and compelling discussion with her. Just the short backdrop for the first of all, just go back and listen to the first episode if you haven't heard the first episode. But Jeanette is on the cutting edge of conscientious parenting, co-parenting, the entire mindfulness space. She's coming out of a very successful career as an entrepreneur in the financial space, financial services space, and gives me the credit of being the most woke rabbi she, she speaks to. So because, because of that uh, tremendous compliment, uh, I, I am afraid of, of, of letting you down. But <laughs> Jeanette, you promised, you promised, you know, just as a, as a, as a clarification, um, in the world that we live in today, we, we have so much, so many people very often get afraid of speaking what's in their heart because they're afraid of what other people may think. And it creates a culture in a lot of ways of people dancing around topics and not really asking the hard things. But 
you know, it's like, it's like if you just look superficially at something, oftentimes what you're looking for isn't there, but it's all below. So you have to sometimes pound a little bit in order to bring that stuff up. So I wanted to frame the discussion that both of us are walking into this with the, the greatest expectation of, of, of respect. And that being said, let's, let's get serious. So, so Jeanette, you said that one of the things that you're, you're, you're following, your tribe has been speaking to you about is religion and how it works and if it's relevant and how do you kind of come back from a religious or a traumatic childhood and then try to plug it in now as a grown-up. So get me started on that. What, what, what are you hearing? So a lot of the conversations that I've been having, and this is, we were starting to tiptoe around this on my podcast, and I was cautious, right? And you and I have talked about this and with deep respect for belief systems. Um, I love religion. I think it is beautiful. I think a lot of people can be in the same room and believe that we got there from different places. We came from different places. But at some point in time, unfortunately, in the world that we live in, men get very involved in the conversation. And it becomes, there's, you know, some religions become more wrapped in a kind of a marketing or a business um, model. And what I'm seeing in the conversations I'm having lately that have really kind of stuck with me are people who are trying to understand and, and make peace with what they've been raised to believe versus what rings true for them and that divide, right? Because a lot of times for them to actually start to stand within their truth and talk about the things that ring true for them, that means they're probably going to hurt or offend people that have loved them and cared for them. And they might even be questioning that identity. And that I think is a hard topic and it's something that comes up a lot. And I think we, we kind of tiptoe around the conversation of religion because we all want to believe in something. We all have this desire to connect with something bigger than us. And I think that it's so important that we do. Um, but then as my friends are raising their children, they're like, how do, I, how do I make peace with this difference? With the way I was raised versus what I actually believed, where the world is going today, some of these things don't work anymore. And they don't feel right. But how do I, how do I consciously parent my child, consciously um, create relationships in the truth of how I believe today and how do I find that because that's another big thing so this is like a two-parter so the second thing is how do I figure out what I actually believe if I have been told most of my life this is the truth this is the way it is and when someone asks me a question I don't know if it's within me it's just what I know there okay, you go. great <laughs> I, I love it do you do you have an approach that you tell people I think one of the things that's happened for me and that I've shared is that um, a lot of times, depending on how deeply woven you are in within the religion, it's kind of like you need a little bit of space, right? Um, whether that's physical space, whether that's just taking some time for yourself to kind of study and get quiet with yourself and not necessarily pick a religion or pick something to attach to. I don't think that that's appropriate. I don't think it's appropriate to say, okay, well, I'm not sure if I believe this, so let me play with other religion. I think it's more sitting down with yourself and asking yourself the hard questions like pick some beliefs, right? Do I actually believe that these kind of tenets feel right for me? I think that's the first thing that people have to do before they're even having conversations with family members or friends who are within that faith because we have a tendency to like guide people back to certain scriptures 
nature, guide people back to certain principles, or use language that we don't even realize can be shaming if someone's starting to have doubts. So the first thing I say is like, get quiet with yourself and start to really ask yourself the deeper questions. If you don't have the answers right away, that's okay. Just kind of meditate with them, journal with them, sit with them, because eventually it's going to kind of bubble up. I love that. I think that's fantastic. As someone that might not be as, as spiritually awoken as you, I, <laughs> I would push back potentially and say that getting okay. with ourself might be the greatest uh, expression of the self and might not be, for me, what the first steps might be because I might not know how to do that. I, it's, a, it's, um, it's an interesting thing that I think needs to be said and something I've worked on a lot is that there's a, you know, the, Jew, the Jewish people at the end of the summer and beginning of the fall have a, a holiday called Rosh Hashanah and then they have a holiday called Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur is the day when Jews traditionally do not eat. There's the idea that you're not washing yourself, which is, it's only 24 hours. So take a shower before and after you're <laughs> Uh, you're, you know, it, it, and, and a day that traditionally most people spend sort of in the synagogue standing and all this kind of stuff. So for most people, that's a profoundly um, upsetting, difficult, hard to relate to, awful experience that in our inner um, uh, masochistic self, we think to ourselves, it must be because I'm suffering, I'm going to be redeemed, which yeah. is a very strange and from my perspective, very not Jewish concept. I don't know where it comes from per se, but um, it's interesting because the Talmud actually speaks about this idea that, um, that repentance, that this day is supposed to be the happiest day. So most people think it's a terrible day where the outcome is happy because I'm forgiven for my sins or whatever that, whatever that means. But the deeper insight says that, that repentance in a, from a Jewish perspective means that you're returning back, you're returning to that which you are. And that's supposed to be a happy thing. Mm-hmm. But most people nowadays, I think if you push out all of the nonsense and we have to look at ourselves, most of us aren't happy with what we see. Most of us don't feel confident on the inside. Most of us, the last thing we ever want to do is go back to ourselves because we don't like who we are. Hence the world of consumerism. And here's a great new outfit for you to put on so that you can like yourself kind of a thing. Um, so the interesting two points that I would su- suggest is, as, a, as a foundation to this, first, first and foremost is this idea of if you don't like how you come back to yourself. If you don't like yourself, you're not going to be able to really build on anything mm-hmm. at all. It's impossible. And mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a, it's a popular thing for those people who it's not a popular thing. It's a, it's, it's a tremendous release and healing for people that have experienced trauma growing up. And again, for the listeners, I know you know this, but for the listeners, trauma doesn't mean you got run over or you suffered, you know, these horrific situations, but just, most people experience trauma, trauma being that your parents didn't respond appropriately, like just stuff that messed you up. It's not, it doesn't have to, again, there's plenty of people who unfortunately have experienced, you know, more traditional trauma of abuse and, you know, sexual violence and alcoholism, all the kind of stuff. But even for people who would say, you know, hey, my, you know, my parents were married. I, as far as I know, I was never abused. There could still be a lot of trauma there. Yeah. Um, the the concept first and foremost for a lot of people is to realize that our parents did the best with what they had. Mm-hmm. And so they're human. 
And so just because um, I might have gotten a message from my parents, it does not make my parents divine. And it means that even if they, it, it's okay that they made mistakes. And one of the mistakes that a lot of parents do is make us feel like we could do something wrong. Like, mm-hmm. if we don't get that grade. If we don't have that career, whatever, whatever the golden calf that parents put on us is, it's like, if you don't do this, you could be a, a failure. Right. And that's not true. It's like, we are beautiful and whole and perfect long before we accomplish anything. And if you convince your children that they have to do something to, to earn your love, it's really hard for anyone to ever achieve any kind of real happiness like that because you'll never feel good with yourself. Does that sort of work? No, it totally makes sense. But the question that I would have for you then, because I get that, right? I get that. Uh, and I, this, I'm so passionate about this. I will rant forever. So you just jump no, in. And I, like, I like, the, I like the, the debate. I like the, the going back and forth. I think this is healthy. And I think it's a really beautiful thing because we come from very different backgrounds, right? Yeah, good. We have, Talk to me. Right. So I think one of the things I would ask you then is if you don't feel that someone should go back to themselves because they don't like themselves, which is a great point. And that's one of the things that I think makes me incredibly sad when I talk to people and realize like how deeply sometimes we dislike ourselves. And so that quiet voice where you're trying to understand who you are may be hard for you to dig through. What would you recommend as that first step to start kind of lifting that person up to where they can start advocating for themselves and understanding their beliefs? That's a great, that's a great question. So I think with, with everything, you first have to see that it's possible that the fact, most people, and it's so funny, like I literally, like, and, and I, and I overgeneralize to my, to my great detriment that, you know, I'll get up in front of people or I'll speak to someone on a phone, on the phone. And I'll say like, my job is so easy. I just tell people, just do what you want. Like you can, you can trust that. And people are like, you know, oh, that's all it is. Like da, 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 whatever. But the reality is that we never assume that what we feel is okay in most cases. Right? You're 100% right. I totally, we, we, we look for external validation and most of the time the truth is within us. Right. So it's yeah. like, it's like, you know, I'll, I'll have people that are like, gosh, I would love to start a podcast. I'm like, oh, okay, so start a podcast. They're like, really? And I'm like, yeah, why not? And they're like, I can do that. I'm like, you could do that, you know, or <laughs> I'd love to coach or I'd love to, I'd love to stop dating losers. And it's like, well, okay. So just if a guy's a loser, then don't, don't date him, you know? And people feel so um, unable to accept that sense. So the first step is you have to accept as a premise that you do have something valuable inside of you. Mm. I think that's the first step. And yeah. then you say, oh, you know, if, 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 even if I don't, I don't know how to, you know, it's like, it's like anything else. Like you can, you can, what's it, what's it called? It's called when you're, um, when you like, you want to create credibility for someone. So it's like, if someone doesn't know you, I want to go a bill, like in, in terms of building rapport, <clears throat> I want to go in and like, um, there's a word that I'm talking about where I talk about what a great person you are so that when you come talking, you're like, everyone buys into you. Does that make sense? You know that concept? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't think of the word. <laughs> I know what you're talking so about. I don't know what it is, but, but um, okay, whatever. So, so 
So it's like, if I show you, if I tell you, you don't know anything about cars, for example, and I'm like, this is the rarest, the most expensive, the fastest, the most beautiful. And you're like, it's got four wheels. You know, like I don't, but right. if I, if I build that level of whatever the word is, you think, okay, there's something there. Let me try to figure out what the value is. Conversely, if I tell you, this is the most beautiful art form. This is the most beautiful piece of music. All of these different things. Your it, lens changes. Yeah. And you start to say, well, let me see what is valuable about this kind of thing. If the connoisseur says, this is the best wine in the world and you tasting are like, I don't know, I don't taste anything. So you might not want to throw that out. You might want to say, well, what makes this the best wine in the world? How can I, how can I experience this thing that someone who knows a lot about it really appreciates? And I think that's the same thing with us. It's, it's like, you have all of this amazing stuff inside of you. There's a lot of value. God cares so much about you that he made you the way that you are like then you can start to say like well what makes me so great and like why should i appreciate myself so much well and i really appreciate what you're saying because i know in one of our previous conversations um we talked about the fact that i had this messaging or belief system that i was unlovable or not valuable and and that that colored my relationship with god and faith and it colored my my romantic relationships and my worth within the office until i realized i was a person of value and once I realized I was a person of value, my relationships began to change, right? So I think, I think that there's absolutely some credence there. That like you have to get back to a place where you realize that you're not what people told you that you are or the worth structure that's been created or the achievement model that you've been plugged into to say that if you can't do this, then you're not that. I think that you have to get back to that place of I am a person of value 100%. And I think that that's a really beautiful kind of call to action to have people say, what is it that I believe about myself? And if I'm afraid to, to figure out what my beliefs are or even question my family or my culture, why don't I feel that I'm valuable enough to have that voice? So I think that that's very powerful. That's, that's the, I think, the most important, that's the most important thing. And it's like, and if you have so little ability to kind of stand on your, and again, I'm, we're talking like this is an easy thing and it's not an easy thing. No, it's... <laughs> thousands of years of repression <laughs> it's, true. it's like it's like one of the one of the major like prayers or 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 mindsets that i'm consistently trying to tell myself is that someone else i don't need someone else to validate my experience mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's like absolutely <laughs> yeah I, you, you you say tell me what you're gonna say well, I think that's one of the things, like we look for external validation all the time. We're constantly looking for approval outside of ourselves to make sure that we're doing the right thing. And I just wrote about this the other day. No one knows what they're doing. Not one single person knows what they're doing. They're making better decisions every day because of life experience. They're, they're utilizing the um, skill sets that they've learned and the mistakes that they've made to help them make better decisions every single day. But we look to the person next to us, assuming that they have the answers and they're, they're searching just as we are. And that's one of the things I think we really have to wrap our heads around is that no one knows, even our religious leaders are human, our parents are human, and everyone is basing their next decision on experience and, and making the next best step decision for their family or what have you. So two questions on that. The, the, the first question would be then what value is there for someone to seek out religious guidance? Is there, now, and again, this, this smacks of, now we can get on all the exciting parts. It's like, 
you know, because nowadays there, there's so much, um, there's such a pushback on the, on the patriarchy and this experience of, you know, should there be order and, and all the kind of, and it's an interesting thing because I think that everyone can appreciate the value of there being order and that we should compensate people that are better for things, compensate better people. You know, it's like, like. If they have a skill set or experience, they should get, absolutely. Yeah. Right. But the, I think when people start to push back, cause it's like, well, what is this thing that you think is so crucial that makes you better than me? Maybe that doesn't make you better than me. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I think that we have to start to kind of like plug in that and start to ask themselves, like, how do you define someone that's worthwhile following? And, or how would a person, which is a, this is a classic um, question is, and it's awkward, but we'll, we'll, we'll say it. It's like truth, it cannot be in, truth can't be self-contradictory. If that makes sense. It means like, and I tell people this, it's like, you know, God doesn't appear or disappear because you believe in him, which right. means that there is in most cases, objective, certainly in science, it doesn't mean that we know it, but we base our, our whole way of looking at the world. I mean, social science, everything. It's like, if a person is, is having a problem, it's not like there's a thousand different, it's like random. Like, I have no idea. It's like, no, well, you, you go to a, you go to a healer, you go to a psychologist, you go to a doctor and they will all have a system and a structure to how to analyze and diagnose and therefore suggest how do you kind of, it's not like a whole random thing. So how do you figure out who to listen to? I guess is the, is the, is the next big question. I think because of my personal experiences with people who are older than me with having these beautiful conversations with people who've had more life experience and who've made more mistakes, right? That doesn't mean that they're better than me. It's just that they've had a, ch a chance to, to try and fail more times than I have. And so rather than looking at them as being a guru, I look at them as being a mentor. And I think that there is a difference. So we look to a lot of times religious leaders and yogis and what have you as being these gurus who know everything. They have been enlightened by God. We can all be enlightened at some point in time. I believe that they've had a lot more life experience. And so a mentor is a trusted guide. There's someone that's there to help you or to give you advice based on their life experience. But also as that person of value, you have the ability to say, is this helpful for me? Have I outgrown my mentor? Does some of it not resonate with my beliefs? system. And that's one of the things that like with my daughter, I'm trying to help her understand how she's consciously building her own belief system. So that if a mentor comes along who has more life experience, she may take something from them and she may understand something. But if they say something that's like uh, a doctrine or a teaching and she can go, that one doesn't set right. So I'm going to reject that one. Rather than blindly accepting what people say as gurus, look at them as mentors and understanding that they're still fallible. But having that internal compass, being that person of value to be able to say, I reject this one thing, that doesn't mean that you're wrong in life. That means you and I have a different belief. I love this. I'm getting really excited. So, so, so let me, let me ask you then, because there's a couple of different things. I, I, now I'm, I'm, I'm terrified and very upset that I believe that what I thought was my like genius gift to mankind might've been not genius or a gift at all. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh, right. But, but uh, so I used to call, I said that, that if a person um, picks and chooses 
what they like of a given system. And, and this kind of goes back a lot to my background. Instead of choosing, in my case, it's Judaism, they chose Judaism, right? Like it's, it's like you just, ba- meaning if it's like if you look at, if you look at any doctrine and you discount a lot of it and then you take the parts that you like, did you really embrace the doctrine or did you just sort of have this confirmation bias that whatever you like and hold dear, you managed to find? If so that makes sense. I, yes, and I argue with this point because I heard a lot of this when I was involved in religion. And it was, oh, people want religion of convenience. They want what allows them to do the bad, simple things that they want to do. I think that that's a really harsh marketing light put on it. I think that we are all, we all are connected to God in some way, framework, or, or, or way. What is a harsh marketing light? I think that, so I have my own opinion that especially do it it. you're like could break it um i have this belief that a lot of religion um especially as time goes on and more men and marketing teams get involved they have ways of kind of handling their flock right and so if you start to say but that doesn't feel right to me if you tell me something and i'm like i'm sorry leader that doesn't feel right they're going to say, well, you need to have faith because this is what God said, because if you do it this other way, you're just religious of convenience, and then you just want to be able to do bad things, and it turns into this kind of guilt kind of bubble. I would stop there and, and, and ask the man. Um, now, and it's curious. I'm curious. Would you – are women – this is such an interesting thing for me. Is Do you think that women are capable of making the same mistakes? In real, absolutely. I, I think that men and women are different. I agree. Biologically, psychologically, we our brains are even different. Like if you look at it physiologically. Yes. We're very, very different. So um, I think that the things that would excite and empower us may be different. Sure. Um, but I think, I think that women absolutely could make similar mistakes. And then, I mean, there's a huge argument based on like, we've lived in a patriarchal system of belief. And so those are the systems of power. If you put a woman in that position, she's going to take on a masculine role. Is she really in her divine feminine? So you could like, we could really go down like this really massive road. No, no, I'm saying that's fast. That's, that's so fascinating. And and I'm always quick to, uh, that's fascinating. But, But I would, I would stop and ask, meaning, how does a person know, for example, like, did God say that? Meaning, if a, if a, if a let's call it a white man, because why not just go with it? <laughs> I mean, like, it's a great, always with my clients, they're always like, okay, so like, what do I do now? I'm like, I stop asking the white man to tell you what to do. Right. Anyway, but, but um, you know, let's say a, a, a person gets up and says, you know, this is what God told me, mm-hmm. and therefore you should follow it. Mm-hmm. I think the natural response is, is not to say, um, you know, well, that makes me feel bad. I would push back and could be that this is just my masculine and say, how do you know God told you that? Mm-hmm. Or if God told you that, why didn't he tell me that? Or why don't I know that God told you that? Just practically speaking. Well, and I think that's where you kind of like, I know this is a very like a, a spiritual kind of way of looking at it, but I think that's why you kind of like hold space for people, right? And you don't judge and you don't say it's right or it's wrong. You feel, figure out if it's right for you. And who said, who said, who said that you have to accept your religion and all its doctrines, but the people who created the doctrine, right? So I think that's the thing that really I have a hard time and I bumped up against as a child being raised in a high control religion. My question was always like, how do we know the Bible is true? Yeah, no, no, that, that, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. Like, that's such an important thing. It's like, you know, there are 
boy, we can get so offensive now, but let's just say, <laughs> let's say that there's a religion out there that, okay, you know, documented cases, let's, you know, usually most people are comfortable saying, you know, ISIS and, and Al-Qaeda are, are not in line with the traditional Western way of looking at things. So let's just say that part of their doctrine is they tell themselves is that it's, it's fine to have sex slaves if they don't believe in the same thing as you. I'm not... Yeah. Not judging, but, well, I am judging. Like, that's my point, is it's like, yeah. no, that's not wrong. That's wrong for me. That's wrong for everybody. And God right. never said, take sex slaves if they don't b believe in you. So right. are we as Westerners, are we as people that grew up the products of a, of a negative re relationship to the patriarchy, are we too afraid to say, like, no, that's never okay? No, I think, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a tough one, especially asking a woman right because for me for me you know anytime there's any type of sexual violence involved i'm like okay there's a right and a wrong and we have to thank you so it's like so and 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 the the so i always apply that over that wherever in anything that we care about intrinsically you know it's like let's say genocide or um i i it was like it was it was a comedian line but it was such a, it's such a fascinating thing just to show like how warped our perspective has become it, this this uh, it was whatever i'll 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 leave the uh, i'll leave the name out as a, as a uh, to protect my own identity but um but the the comedian was saying it's like when our, we drop our phone in water, we run to get rice. But if you watch on the news, like there's a starving child, you know, somewhere, we just like flip the, the, sta the station. She's like, give the child the rice and like, you know, don't worry. Oh. Right, but, 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 the, but the point is that's like, like, as soon as we touch on sexual violence, for example, or any kind of that area, or let's say child abuse, or let's say uh, whatever you want, like suddenly we're like, oh, hell no, that's, that's never okay. But isn't that true that, for every other area, it's like that's our own issue that we relate specifically to that topic. But shouldn't there be a right and wrong in everything, even if we just don't care that much about it? I think that because we are so divided as nations, as communities, that it's hard for us sometimes, like especially if you travel internationally. Whenever you travel internationally, that I think everyone has to see the world because especially as Americans, we have a tendency to be very insulated. We think that we're better than everyone else. We don't understand their issues and their problems. And we don't understand their religions. We don't understand their cultures. And I think that that's kind of a, it's, it's sad in a lot of ways because there is right and wrong in the world. And if you were to see some of the issues that some of the tribes in Africa are facing or some of the religious beliefs or the way the women are treated or the poverty, you would say, this is wrong. If you have a guttural like physical reaction or response to something there, there's a truth in there right there's a belief do you okay i'm gonna get really i'm gonna really wear the other side of the hat on this one because i usually use it's funny one of the ways that i usually i like i, I one of the principles that deeply attracted me to orthodox judaism was that we say that it's kind of a rational a rational thing you're like okay great so does everybody else but it's like no like actually let's ask questions like throw faith out the window and okay. one of the one of the answer, one of the uh, intellectuals, philosophic approaches that was advanced was that if you look across the society, there are certain ethical things that everybody is, like you said, on a guttural level, level affected by. So yeah. murder bothers everyone all the time. Now, how we define murder is different, but you know, unprovoked killing against innocence—that 
everyone has a big problem with. Maybe I answer my own question, but it's like, but I just, I literally just read an article about how there's videos that are out of like children, you know, clapping for, um, for, for like beheaded people by ISIS. And it's like, isn't though, aren't those feelings also kind of like societally produced? Is it possible to turn those off? I, I believe, I mean, with anything, you can convince people something is right or something is wrong. Do you know what I mean? Like you can, with those children, they believe that they're being protected and that their God is being protected. And this is what we have to do. So unfortunately, it's the belief system that's being transferred that allows them to believe that this is okay and this is right. Human beings have such power in our words to be able to influence entire generations, communities, and cultures. And unfortunately, because we are so divided in so many ways, you have a child in another part of the world who believes it's okay to kill someone if they don't believe the same thing that you believe. Where over here, we believe it's, it's so upset to me. Major American city also happens. But I, well, I think, I mean, I think the thing is like, there's no perfect answer. And I actually have to monitor what I watch. I want to be a conscious global citizen and understand what's happening. I love when I get to travel, I try to understand the religions and the cultures and the people that I come back with a broader viewpoint and I look at my life and I'm like, this is so, it's so just, we're so contained. We're so safe in so many ways. I have to, I have to plug this book. It's so funny. It's the best because you should know, like, it's just fun. Cause like my, I grew up in the Bay area of Northern California and I, I'm very comfortable traveling in like the most like religiously conservative environments in the world and not, no, whatever, whatever. Um, but, but I just read these two books. Um, the name is Johan Hari, H-A-R-I. If you haven't seen these, have, do you know who this guy is? Nope. You need these books. He's written two of them. He's young. He's probably 30 something years old. He's from Sweden, something like that. But he wrote a book called Chasing the Scream, which is about the war on drugs. And he wrote another one, Oh, I forgot about the about the the SSRIs and like all the antidepressants that's become such a part. And in both books, he attacks the whole like infrastructure of how we view drugs and the whole idea that like there was this one guy who what that had that saw someone on drugs when he was young and then got in this position of power and then started becoming very because he used to be able to buy heroin like on the street corner like in the in the in the in the CVS down the road and he started this whole war on drugs and then. It was right in the 1950s when America had all this power internationally. And so he got to the UN and then this, it created this whole culture. And he's saying that like at the end of the day, like people that use drugs and they even animals that use drugs, they're trying to escape negative feelings mm -hmm. by criminalizing them and, and forcing them to like, you know, um, go through all these horrible things to get, to get the drugs. It's like, you're only perpetuating the problem. And it's just like, Again, I know it's it's controversial, but but my mind just like I was like, oh my god, like I never thought they said something like ninety percent of people that use drugs are able to use them recreationally, and the ten percent that get addicted are ones that traditionally have either extreme amounts of 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 um, uh, trauma as children and or trauma in their current life, and it's just like what the heck, like the, it, it's just so different from how we how we especially I mean me as an American living in you know it's like just like what are you serious like drugs aren't bad kind of a thing, right? Well, and I think it's if you put back the curtain on anything. There has been, it's really interesting if you look at power and influence over time, right? Why we have patriarchal systems of power, why we have um, issues with women in the workforce, because we had to create a certain day for, 
the amount of influence that just um, individuals can can create over the span of time that lasts generations. I mean, canning food because it was easier during a period of time to have preserved food. Now we have all of these people with heart disease and diabetes. Like you, you look over the span of time and there's all of these issues that have been created because someone had a platform or someone had an idea or they wanted to make, or they wanted to get uh, men back to the jobs and the women back into the kitchens. We've created the mess that we're in and we're so incredibly divided. I think it's important to be conscientious of, of other people, and, but not to plug in, right? And I think that's where people get sucked into the division, the polarization, right? Not to get sucked into a certain agenda or a certain kind of belief system or plugged into a certain news channel without kind of paying attention to what else is going on in the world. Um, because we have a tendency to just kind of attach ourselves. And it's just like, and I hate to make this, this a broad kind of, it's, it's kind of like religion. We want to attach ourselves to something that the other people believe and we have a community of people who agree with us. And I think that that's a dangerous place to be when you don't kind of tap on the shoulder of the people who are telling you the things and saying, is that actually true? Is so, so, so stop, you have to, you, okay. So, so then, then the big, I have, it's funny, it, it, like, I, and I, I've been doing a lot of like listening in terms of like, like dream analysis and uh, there was a great book. It's on my shelf. I, I, I want to send you all these books I have because I, 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 they're so fascinating. Um, but, but this book about basically like how, I mean, Jung says this, but, but how your, sub, your subconscious while you're dreaming is able to resolve a, a lot of the issues and, and, and solve things for you while you're asleep. But most of us, especially now, because it's so easy just to go and start, you know, you know like drooling on yourself with Instagram in the morning or whatever, whatever it is, um, we don't take account of the dreams, but they're all saying like sometimes, and, and this is crazy because this happens to me every morning. It's like, you'll get songs that just pop into your head as you, does, I don't know if that ever happens to you. Yeah. It's like, it's nuts. It's like, I never thought of this song in like 10 years, but suddenly I had this entire song playing in my head. So, so it, I guess I have these two, images in my head that are profoundly spiritual for me. One is, and, and this is like a reoccurring thing that I've seen throughout my life, is whenever I think about God, I see like you're at the bottom of an ocean and you're looking up and you see two little feet at the top, right? Like, you know, like, I don't know if you're seeing that image. It's like, you're looking up yeah. and the two, right? And it's like, so to speak, God is the ocean and the two little feet are us. Obviously God is not an ocean and we, don't whatever, but the, the the idea being that we are so massively unaware, and we're like so like just a little bit of tapped into what's out there. That's that's my like God thing. But then when I think the other way, which is that we are such the products of all of these institutions, like the patriarchy, like all these other things. If you break down all that stuff, I see a blank piece of paper. And that's also terrifying because it's like, well, what do I start drawing? Because anything I draw is not really real. It's just my interpretation of. So I think that's actually really beautiful. Both images are very beautiful. You're and the I've, first person I've ever shared that with, by the way. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. I feel honored. I was actually just talking about dreams this morning. I'll tell you about that in a minute. But um, how we, we process our fears 
at night and we process the things that we're dealing with and if we don't sometimes take account of them during the day, they continue to, our subconscious is constantly trying to help us understand the things that we're dealing with. And so I try really hard in the morning to kind of actually acknowledge the dream or the fear or the thing that I've processed the night before so I can say, okay, what is this telling me and how can I move through this? Because your subconscious is a very powerful tool. If you start to actually attach your subconscious and your unconscious or your subconscious and your conscious mind, you're a very powerful creator. Um, I, I love what you said about the ocean because I remember reading a quote that we are but just a drop in the ocean, right? And that there's so much power, right? But the idea that we're plugged into these institutions of power, and if you take them all away, there's just a blank piece of paper, I think is actually very powerful because I think that we're seeing them chip away. We're seeing them be questioned. We're seeing them fall apart. We're seeing people leave old institutions and ways of relating and ways of being because they haven't worked. They've brought us war. They've brought us famine. Yes, they've brought us organization. Yes, they've made some people wealthy. But they haven't really worked. And if you take that blank piece of paper and with all the best intention, if enough people have scraps of paper and are starting to find the value within themselves and raise their children consciously, we're creating an entire new paradigm. Wait, wait, wait explain that. I think that we talked a little bit about, so like for me, the thing that's important to me is not that I go out there and I am this huge activist and advocate because I'm trying to change things. I am trying to change things now. And yeah, I would like for you to have all of the wonderful things in your life and your dreams accomplished. More, okay. than, that, more than that, I want you to raise an amazing child. I want you to raise an amazing child. Four children. Four children. I want you to raise a little tribe of children. <laughs> Just four is good. Just four. Okay. So... More than anything, for me, and this is why I feel so passionate about the things I talk about, it's I want to reach parents right now. I want to reach people who have influence over the next generation so they can end cycles that believe that we have to suffer in order to attain a relationship with God. I want to reach people who are going to say, I don't want to plug into a political system, but I do know what I think is right and wrong. Right? I want someone to say, hey, religious leader, I don't really agree with this. And if you're going to guilt or shame me, I'm going to stand within my truth and teach my children how to ask the same types of questions. To me, it's more important that our bank, that blank piece of paper is the way that you're creating the next generation, in my mind. And I think that that's so, it's so beautiful. And not, I'm not trying to loop it up or tie it up or put it in a nice bow, but it, but it actually, it does do it so nicely, is that when you're sitting looking at the blank page and then you start to draw the, the, for me, the first feeling is to look around and say, do you got, do you guys like what I'm drawing? And also like, is what I'm drawing good enough? And that's, that's not the point. You know, it's like, it's like you have to live, live your art and you're drawing it. Cause you, I mean, that's that at the end of the day, it's like, I can't tell you how much psychological trauma this went through that, you know, like if I spend my day on the beach and I'm not afraid of it. And like, I have this whole thing where I don't want to dress fancy um, because <laughs> I don't like it. And I like dressing the way I like to dress, but I feel like this responsibility because I, I don't know, like whatever you, you get it. I get um, it. Um, that it's like, why, why do I need to justify like, 
why do I have to justify? Why do I have to look this way? Why do I have to justify that I want to go and sit on the beach for a little bit and enjoy myself? You know, like I, 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 I and at the point is at the end of the day, it's like, who are you justifying it with? And so I think it's very easy because we have an idea that at least in the religious world, I think that we have an idea that, that God is sort of like this demanding, um, mm -hmm. you know, this demanding angry man that wants you to not waste a second, but then is that really wasting a second it, when you're, when you're there with yourself by yourself enjoying, like ultimately, like, no, I don't think so. I don't think it's a waste. It's like, what, if I'm going to go sit in the cubicle, I didn't waste that, you know, that well, second. I think uh, to me, it's so beautiful. The idea of you sitting on the beach is your communion with God, right? That's when you're quiet. That's when you have the opportunity to actually be clear of the grind, of the achievement cycle, of the belief systems. And you can actually, I think that, I think that's where we get, have to get to, to a place where we step out of this achievement, judgment, um, bias, and spend more days on the beach, spend more days and, and that's, you know what I mean, but like sit on, sit on the beach, have a moment, get quiet and start to find that relationship with our God, source, divine, universe, higher power, whatever you want to call it. I think that that's your, that's your right and that's your gift. And that's where you start drawing on the blank page. Don't do it in the cubicle because people are going to look over. They're going to look over at the blank page in the cubicle. Okay. Do last question. Because I'm talking to your children. What's that? It's to do it when you're talking to God and you're talking to your children. Um, last question, because I, 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 I would do this all day, but I assume you probably have, uh, have very important things to do. Um, I, I, am I going out of business in the sense that is in your mind, in the minds of the people you speak to is as, as more, you know, I, I sat down with, um, I sat down with someone that I think he started like eBay, LinkedIn, whatever it is, like, you know, like a, a very influential person who was really lamenting the, the state of people in Silicon Valley, because he says it's like, there's no sense of, of, you know, again, whatever it was, it, he was, a, he's a very outspoken person and very creative individual and gets is allowed to say kind of what he wants. I think he's built that right. But he was saying like, you know, the future screwed because people are not, proud of who they are they're not you know whatever he gives his whole like kind of old man talk and i said on the on the flip side it's it's actually an amazing opportunity because now that people are so plugged into social media and not necessarily quote thinking for themselves if you can influence the few influencers you just managed to you know nail everybody else um and i'm curious like what do you feel the role is again ironically as a white male religious teacher like is that how does that work for the future? I personally think that social media is, um, it has been made into something negative, but there is great potential. I believe the ability to connect with people who are searching um, and for them, they have to take the ownership to be able to actually use social media and digital products in a way that works for them instead of is, is conditioning or what have you. Um, you just change, I, stop, 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 stop. Can you, one second, I'm, I'm, I'm going to listen to you. I promise. I just, I'm afraid if I don't say this, I'm not going to remember <laughs> what you were going to say though. Do what? Do you remember what you were going to say though? Uh, yeah. Okay. I just, you just, for the first time, like everyone knocks on people trying to get like the likes and it's like, oh, everyone just wants likes or that. 
But it's like, no, that's also a good thing because that's also people saying like, I matter, like somebody see me and you can't ask for someone to see you if you don't think there's anything worthwhile to be seen. Right. And I think that that's the thing is like, I personally, so one of the things that's interesting to me is I am, um, I'm actually building an app. So talk about, talk about social media and digital, right? I'm, I'm building an app. My app um, is going to be to help create tools for people to go inward. I've hired someone who came from Disney Pixar, who has been in all of those meetings with those guys from Silicon Valley, who has said the same thing. We have created monsters. We have taught people how to be addicted. We have looked at ways to keep them um, consuming. We have done all these things. And he's like, I want to use my power for good. There's actually something now called humane technology. And there are engineers who are coming together to say, let's use what we know to help people be better and to almost learn how to disconnect or learn how to go back within. So I think that there are enough people out there who are starting to say, hey, this is, you got people from Facebook doing YouTube art, uh, videos about like, I won't let my kids, Facebook, all of these, these people, they don't let their children touch Apple. They don't let their children touch technology because of what they created. So what I would say to you and I challenge you to do is create amazing, beautiful content so that when people are looking for mentors and guides, they're not surreptitiously being mentored by an influencer who just simply wants to tell you about their cheekbones and their thigh gap. <laughs> Have them be mentored by you who's created a platform for them to attach to, not attached in the way that we talked about before, but for them to say, yes, this is what I believe. This is what I want to become. It's the way for you to actually create create connection and offer them something other than the contours and the, the likes and the what have you. I, it can be used for good. I love it. You know, it's so crazy not to, not to get rabbinical on you, but it's funny because the, in the, in the book of, of um, I'm now blanking on the English name in the book of numbers, it speaks about the spies, the Jewish, you know, the spies that went and spied out the land of Israel and the Jewish tradition is very strong. These were all extremely accomplished people who were very good people and were leaders of their generation of their generation. And their underlying fear was when we go into the land, we are going to lose our status because it's an unknown. Mm. Like we don't know what it is. We were like, you know, we were big deals here, but we're not a big deal there. And it's like, it's funny because we, we witnessed in a lot of ways as, you know, the Ubers and the, and the Netflixes took over the world and how fast the mighty f fell that the, now this new generation, the people that created all this technology, they're like, well, what did I create? That's such a big thing. But I think it's, it's the same thing. And I guess ultimately it goes back to it. It's like, if there is a divine providence, the world we're moving towards a better tomorrow. And that sometimes the, the people that built the technology that's going to affect the masses do not need to be the people that necessarily create how that works. That could be someone else's job. You yeah. know, take what take the Facebook to take the app, and then and now we're gonna make it for good. Yeah, but and so, and if you look at it, like there's a ton of therapists right now and psychologists who are on Instagram, and there's this big argument about like, hey, therapy through Instagram that's not healthy. I argue against that argument because what I say is, you've got someone who won't come out of their house because they're depressed or have bipolar disorder, and they don't know how to get to the therapist or can't afford like someone of quality. They can now follow this woman on Instagram. I've got like three of them that I'm trying to get on my podcast right now because I'm like, I'm loving what you're doing because you're like, they're creating these like little memes that are like, if 
you're experiencing this, this is what you're dealing with. Here are the ways you can take care of yourself today. God bless you for creating a place where people can go who feel like they're in a dark spot. And I just think, I think exactly what you said is that there is an opportunity to meet people where they are and to give them something to, to, to lift themselves up, to connect to, to feel better about themselves or options to be better as human beings and, and, and not necessarily be their gurus because I don't want to be anyone's guru, but I don't mind asking you the questions to help you find your, your own, your own internal light. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or almost it's like the, the, you, I think we should all try again. This is a stupid and it sounds it's well, I'm not going to, whatever. I think that we should all in a certain way think that we should be our own guru and yes. You know, like the, and, and that's ultimately the role of influence is, you know, how much, how honest are you with yourself and how in order is your home and how much self, you know, it's, it's just like my, my wife said, I, I, after I read this, this, this book, I like got off of like all kinds of stuff. Now I'm like craving ice cream and I'm like, I don't understand why I'm going to the store just buying more ice cream. And it's like, and I was like, well, could be that there's a lot of shift, go, shift, shift right, going on in our lives, and could be that's your coping mechanism. And I'm like, oh yeah, that could be, that could be. <laughs> right? like, and, it. <laughs> and it's like, it's just, it's so interesting that, you know, on one hand, it's like, I wanna be the guru that jumps up and be like, no one ever eat ice cream ever. On the other hand, like the guru of me is like, why am I unable to stop eating ice cream? And why can I, and, and only once I can stop hating myself for eating the ice cream, I can ask, well, why am I eating? It's like, well, are there anything wild going on in your life? You're like, yeah, there's all kinds of wild stuff. Okay, so, you know, that's it. This is your emotional, yeah, this is the way you're kind of self-comforting. Yes, yeah. and, and I'm choosing that over an antidepressant or I'm choosing, not that anyone should, should you know, do, do, take your own advice and stuff like that. I mean, ask, ask a doctor and not, it not necessarily makes sense to, uh, to swap one out for the other unless, you know, you work for the, uh, the, the ice cream industry. <laughs> You know, we all have this desire to feel good, to feel comfortable to, you know, everyone. And once you can have compassion that you're not weak for doing that and then start asking yourself like why you are doing that, I guess. And then you can actually diagnose yourself and you can become your own guru. And then it becomes a lot more compelling and real for people to follow that kind of person than the person that's just standing up and saying, you know, I never eat ice cream. I don't eat ice cream. Look at my abs. Yes. Agreed. Yes. Absolutely. hundred percent. And more people are starting to connect to the people who are like, Hey, here's me on my fit model day. And here's me on the day that I am being a mom and I'm running around and I look, I have stretch marks and I'm like, thank you for, you know, doing that. Um, we need more of that. So I think it's an amazing platform and I'm excited to watch what you Okay. You're the greatest. When is your app coming out or we all have to do another like release party? We will. So my app comes out uh, Christmas Day, and um, I'll actually give you a code for your followers if they want like a free experience when it yeah. drops. Um, I'll get it to you for for your show for your listeners. Amazing. I All love right. It. Thank you so much. Thank you. There you have it, folks. Another inspiring episode. If you enjoyed this, I ask you to please share this with your friends and to like us over on Rabbi Rupp through Facebook or on YouTube. And the more that we're able to get these important messages out, the more that we can really make an impact in the world. So I encourage you, please, to stay tuned. Uh, we have a ton of amazing speakers coming up and also to tell your friends about it. Thank you very much.